0: Hey everybody, it's your host, Jana, and I'm actually traveling this weekend, so in lieu of a new episode, I hope you enjoy this rebroadcast of one of my favorite interviews with Aziza. This is episode 154, How to Take Initiative in Your Belly Dance Career. Welcome to Advance Your Belly Dance, a weekly podcast all about the business of belly dance. I'm your host, Jana, and every week, you'll get belly dance business tips you wish your dance teacher told you when you first started. From how to start your first email marketing list to what you actually need on your website and everything in between. Let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Advanced Belly Dance Podcast. This week, I'm excited to give you another very fun interview with a wonderful belly dancer and teacher, Aziza. Aziza of Montreal, formerly Portland, fell in love with dance at the age of three. She continued to experiment with many styles and develop her skills as a classical dancer until she found her true love, the art of Middle Eastern dance, over three decades ago. Her devotion to and passion for the art has led to numerous awards and recognitions, and Aziz is now one of the brightest, most in-demand stars of belly dance in the world today, known for her amazing ability to communicate the music by mixing the best of classical Middle Eastern dance with her innovative twist. Aziza's amazing improvisational skills and her unparalleled ability to inspire students to get to the next level make her the master artist and mentor audiences and students find memorable. A sought-after instructor and also a lifetime learner, Aziza continues to perform and teach for students and audiences across the globe. Hope you enjoy this interview. Hey everybody, Jana here and welcome to the Advanced Rebelly Dance Podcast. This week I have a very, very special guest who needs no introduction, but welcome, Aziza.
1: I don't know if they'd recognize my voice. I need an introduction. Hi.
0: Hi. So thank you so much, Aziza, for um, agreeing to come on the podcast. Um, I'm sure they know your voice as well, so you're very well known, so it's fine. People are going to know who you are. So, um, But for those that don't already know, could you just recap? I know it's it's, going to be a challenge to recap everything and into a quick uh, one-minute recap, but just how you started belly dancing. So you went from obviously being a student and then gigging professionally and then competing, And then touring Mm -hmm. the world so could you recap that for people that might not know how far you've come yeah well i started uh, with other
1: forms of dance i started with classical ballet i did that for a really long time and i was dragged to a belly dance class um, not knowing anything about it and i actually did i started gigging very early i started gigging within six months of my first class and uh, didn't know anything so (laughs) I think you did recap it. So now it's been 32 years. I can't believe it. 33
0: years since my first class. Yeah. Amazing. And um, what would you say has made the biggest impact on your belly dance career? If you could narrow it down to, to one thing.
1: Well, I, th- I would, let's see one thing. I think it's taking initiative and taking action because When I first started dancing, I started gigging pretty early, but I was kind of just letting things happen, you know, just Mm -hmm. to party dancing, dancing in clubs, dancing. You know, I had a band, I had my regular gigs, but I was really happy in my little niche. And so I really, to break out of that and to go to a different level, I really had to take initiative, I had to take action. And I have noticed that it's um, something I have to relearn Every once in a while, like I get a little um, complacent and a little comfortable because I'm really lucky that a lot of things come to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I have accepted that I have something to offer, even though I like everybody, I have imposter syndrome syndrome sometimes, too. But um in order to break out and to go to the next level and to get out of being complacent, I really have to take the initiative and take action. And I have to be brave and put myself out there to try new things.
0: Yeah. That's a really good point. Cause that's what I tell people in my, in my business courses all the time. It's, you have to make opportunities for yourself. You can't just sit around and wait for things to happen to you. Um, a lot of what people see, they tend to think it was like an overnight success and they just were you know, posting videos. And then one day someone discovered them and that's how they got it. And it's like, that happens very rarely, very, very rarely. And
1: no, I would say that all of the big things that have happened, I've really had to, I had people helping me, but I had to seek them out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I knew I couldn't do it on my own, but it was really me to make the action and to be brave and to put myself out there. And then things
0: changed. Yeah. Awesome. And what has inspired you to start your weeklongs in Montreal? I know you've been doing those for quite some time. Hopefully they're going to happen this year as well. Um, But you've been doing them in Montreal for for a long time. Explain to the people that uh, might not know what it is. Okay. Um, Well, I think you're referring to the dream camps Mm -hmm. that I do, that I host in
1: Montreal. And it would have been the 10th year this year. Um, And it would have been our 30th camp that we have done if we would have had them last year, in 2020. Um, it's kind of a long story. If I'm To be honest, it's really something that has built. I, I would go back to, um, for starting out, one of the most significant events that I have been part of since I was a baby dancer is Oregon Country Fair, which is a, a big um, festival that's in the middle of the woods. And I go every year that I can. I've been going since, yeah, oh, man, I don't know how long it's been. 28 <laughs> years I've been doing it uh, since I was. I had only been dancing a couple of years when I started going. And that is live music the whole weekend in the middle of the woods. And it's with the same group of women that I've been doing this like every year. And it's kind of how I recharge. And these women are people that um, I have a connection with and i grow and it's like my recharging every year especially when i was touring all the time it just feels good to go back and connect with people Mm -hmm. that know me and that i know and i really think that once i moved to montreal that was really when i started touring and as lucky as I am to have that experience, it's amazing to be able to travel, but it's always, you're on an airplane, you're in a hotel, yay, it's a Ziza. you teach your workshop and then you leave and you go to another city and you really don't have the connection in the, um, it's all connection, really,
0: mm-hmm.
1: meaning, you know, do you understand? Yeah. yeah. And I was really craving that. And I went to an event that was hosted by uh, Bahia in Texas. Um, Camp Array, I don't know if you're familiar Mm -hmm. with Camp Array. And we were out in the woods and uh, it was at a camp. It was bigger than what I produce, but it was just, it was a lot of fun. And I started thinking that this is what I miss. I miss having a smaller group of students that I can that we, you can really develop and get to know and see change from the beginning to the end of the, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. You understand? Yeah. And
1: early on that you're familiar with, I did week-longs in Florida.
0: that yeah, was I was week, just going to say.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was really the beginning of it, right? Mm-hmm. And those were produced by someone else. Mm-hmm. So although it was like the beginning of, putting together a week long and how I would do it. Once I could produce them myself, then I really could bring in all of the elements that I wanted. So, Mm
0: -hmm. yeah. I was just going to say one of my favorite events that I've ever been to still is the week long that we took with you back in Orlando, which was ages ago by now. And then you sent me a picture and I was like, my God, that was in another lifetime. Like I was, I think I was still living in Florida at that time. I didn't start grad school at that point yet yeah. no I was still definitely living in Florida and then so much has happened since so I was like oh what a nice memory well, see,
1: but those were so special and mm-hmm. you know the people that I met in those initial ones are still people that I feel close to even mm-hmm. though I don't see them or keep in touch it's like it's that kind of a connection and meaning that I was looking for really um, producing and facilitating for people yeah. that come to dream camp yeah,
0: yeah. I much prefer the smaller ones. Um, me personally, it's it is a lot more of a connection, and I still talk to the dancers that were in in that event. I still talk to some of Rose Arena is One of them. <laughs> she's she's been on this podcast before. And um, yes, well, yeah. you
1: know what is interesting is it's not just me. It's the relationships that are you mm-hmm. know it's special. I love that I can uh, facilitate that this happens, but what I love is to see the relationships that come out of it and the opportunities that come out of it. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, people trying to make their name, you know, going to a festival with, you know, 200 other women trying to make their name in a competition, it's like you don't get the opportunity to get to know somebody and get to really feel and learn who they are. But in a more intimate space, I've Mm -hmm. seen a lot of the people that meet host each other, because they know each other, and they see each other, and they learn to you know, they, they get to know each other when you're in such an intimate
0: situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. And what's changed since you started dancing professionally? Obviously, COVID aside.
1: <laughs> Whew, okay. Well, okay. There's a lot of things that have changed because I've been doing this a long time. <laughs> um, I think the biggest change since I've started is the, the internet, going way back to the internet. And I really do... Um, credit the, the, the internet as to why I have been able to have the kind of career that I've had. Because um, when I was first started dancing and when I first made that initial initiative to put myself out there, it was really early days of the internet and there wasn't very much available. So if you went to search for anything for belly dance, there was only a couple things that would pop up and I was one of them. So that's kind of how that in the Rockin' the Casbah, um, D, not DVD, VHS, that's how long ago it was. <laughs> yeah, so the early days of marketing, um, I was kind of involved in that. I was I was the face of buzz when it first opened, when it first started. So. You know, like that trend has changed our dance so much. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the first thing I've noticed. And there's also I've seen things like um, as our world has opened up with the Internet and people are able to discover and learn about different folk dances and how important that is. It was really interesting when I first started because it was really hard to get any information. and. Um, so I remember when people the, the, when people first discovered Saidi and all of a sudden Saidi was a big thing just because Saidi was a folk dance and learning Saidi and then Khaliji became really, you know, and then it was Iraqi and then everybody's doing Iraqi and then, you know, and then it turned to Shabi and more street dance and stuff and I see different folk dances becoming um, in trend, do you understand, mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. performance and I think that has opened up a whole different. um, I'm really encouraged by the younger generation of dancers who are really hungry to do research Mm
0: -hmm.
1: because it's available. I see like two different things kind of competing. You have um, some people who are come into the dance And the vast amount of knowledge that's out there is so overwhelming that they're paralyzed and they don't know what to look at or what Mm. to look for. It's like you have all this information and I don't know what to study. And I Mm. need somebody to guide me into, I don't even know where to start. And then you have this younger generation that um, are seeing the opportunity to really go deep and learn about the history and the culture and they're becoming teachers. And that is super encouraging. And it's something that I didn't have.
0: Um, it's very interesting that you mentioned the the folklore, the trends. I know a few years ago when um, Iraqi Kolia came on the scene, uh, it pretty much became a trend just because of the availability of all these Russian competitions that are on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And in their search for wanting to be different, standing out in hours and hours of competition, right. they chose something that wasn't uh, readily available, I would say, to others. And that's ah. seeped into our... Own, yes, but it came uh, by legend. way of the
1: you, of the Eastern European dancers. Yeah. Yes, yeah, and so. also because of how athletic and how, you know, yeah, you could totally stand doing this. Yes,
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, whatever people think of of the Eastern European dance scene, um, it's not the complete culturally correct perhaps performance, but you have to give it to them that they kind of made it the way it is today. I don't think a lot of dancers would have known about it if um, we didn't have Russian uh, or Ukrainian.
1: Yes, it is true. And also that goes back to the whole internet thing, because we have access to so many dancers. Dancers are really looking also just on the internet, how are they going to stand out in a really short amount of time? So um, impact in your dance, Mm -hmm. I think has gone up. And I feel like there is a backlash to that. And now golden era is really popular now. And I Mm -hmm. think it's a backlash from that high impact dancing. At least I hope I'm seeing that. So I'm hoping that it's going to go in that direction.
0: On the topic of competitions, you've been a judge for like a million competitions by now. How do you feel about, I guess it's a very broad question, but how do you feel about competitions in general? Because you did get your, you know, I wouldn't say start, but you you did compete and that's how you started to actually start touring. Mm-hmm. And um, I've competed in, and won competitions as well. But I my guess is that your opinion of it is probably the same as mine, but I'll let you answer first.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel that, um, yeah, I, I feel that competition is an opportunity for you to really put your best together. And what I hope and what I push for when I'm working with people who want to compete Like I really sit them down and say like, do you want to really work on your dance and putting the best together? Because regardless of what happens at the competition, you're going to win by working on your dance. That is where you're going to benefit from it. And once you're at the competition, you have to completely let go of any expectations. And that's hard to do. And doing competitions like that, I think, can really hurt somebody's heart because to be judged and and i have stories about being a judge in competitions where i know that the judges are not there to give their attention and their best and their feedback and their right like for me sitting there and watching i am conscious and aware that no matter what level that dancer is, that dancer has put her best forward and she deserves my attention and my respect to give my only my um, feedback. It's, it, and who am I? You know what I mean? It's like, it's so subjective. And nobody can tell you whether you are a good dancer or not a good dancer and maybe it's just that day and maybe you're wearing a color i don't like or maybe you look like my ex-husband's new wife or maybe you know who knows it's so subjective and i hate that people give so much power to just a panel of judges that might not be paying attention because they're tired or they're jet-lagged or they're you know who knows what's going on Mm -hmm. so I take it seriously when I'm a judge. I want to sit and I want to figure out what is the best that I can give for this person at this moment. How can I, you know, what do I see that's working that you should do more of? And what do I see that I would do different? But it's only me and who am
0: I, right? That's a good point. Yeah, because I think a lot of people, especially when they're new to the competition scene, I don't know if that's the case now and not just because of COVID, but I think it's just, everyone has I would like to think like every belly dancer at some point has entered or won a competition (laughs) like it means nothing almost anymore and I'm someone that's won big titles too but it's just I know
1: that there's some people who are really into the culture of of competitions and they're aware but like if I mentioned a competition would you know who won no last year no you wouldn't I do like some of the um, more feedback focused <clears throat> I've seen a couple non-competitions that are coming up, you know, because that's really what is valuable once yeah. you've put your effort into it is to get feedback. That's going to help you grow. Not necessarily somebody who wins and somebody who, you know, you didn't get the, and then you don't get any feedback for it. Well, what do I work on? Well, what do I want? Mm-hmm. You know, and even scores are not really clear or enough feedback, or you only have, you know, you have to look and write at the same time. That mm-hmm. nuts.
0: Mm -hmm. yeah I always tell people also from like a business perspective like If you're going to enter a competition, make sure that you use it to your advantage, that you network with people. That's exactly Um, what it is. That you, even if you don't place, that you are still professional after the fact, you should always be professional, but even after the fact that you still network and connect with people, there's people that are always going to remember you.
1: Even when you don't win, how you comport yourself and how you carry yourself, that is, no one's going to hire you if you're, you know, throwing a fit or being rude. Or sometimes even like just some people need to be to themselves when they're going to perform and compete and for some people on the scene it's about being wanting to be around them Mm -hmm. do you understand what I'm saying it's not
0: necessarily yeah yeah you can feel the vibe usually in like the changing rooms where who are like super serious about it and who is there to like support their friends and dance you know sisters and brothers and everything you know just together so you can definitely feel the vibe um yeah, but I do like the the feedback non-competitions. I think that's more valuable than competitions. I can't I if I can't remember any valuable feedback that I've gotten from competitions that like changed my dance, <laughs> you know. So that's something to think about. Um, what would you say your number one piece of advice is to dancers though navigating their belly dance career, especially now during COVID?
1: Yes. Okay. Um it is important to really take a look at how what a big significant shift and change that has happened this year. Like um, personally for myself, um, I was already doing online classes. I had been doing them for a couple of years before. Um, I was really lucky. I kind of had a head start and didn't have to completely pivot like a lot of people did. Um, but the shift is that it's just about everybody is online now. And going forward, my hope is that people are going to be able to reopen their studios and you will support your local studio. But the fact is, we are now global, and you have access to just about anybody. And I think that what's going to happen going forward is people are going to become much more discerning on who they're going to be taking from online. They're, they're not going to have as much um, patience, you know, with how it's presented. So I think that the if you want to continue on the forum of being online, that you really do have to invest in, you know, how you're presenting it. And it can be hybrid. I think that's exciting.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. I like yes. hybrid classes. I hope they continue.
1: <laughs> I think hybrid is great, sure. Yeah. And I think a combination of the two. I know that for myself, um, I was already kind of planning on slowing down from touring. That's why I had started the online classes. Um, That's why I initially started the, the Dream Camp 10 years ago. I had no idea that I would continue to be in demand for so long. It's been almost 20 years I've been touring, almost year round, actually year round. So, but I really, love teaching online. Mm -hmm. I love having the connections that I have with my students online. And it has been a lifesaver through this. Like, I'm really happy that that I think that it has been challenging and stressful for everybody, this whole thing. But for myself, like the whole pivot, I know you asked about advice for dancers, but I'm talking about my husband and I like, this is the first time since we've been together that we are together like he's not taking me to the airport and Mm
0: -hmm.
1: yeah it's amazing so there has been a lot of shifts with you know just to slow down and to figure out what is important and how Mm -hmm. i want to go forward and what i want to do going forward the advice that i would give you know embrace and use the opportunity that so many dancers are available now online, especially from the culture. Yeah. Like it's, it's so important to also, um, like right now with what Zara Abdul Raham is doing um, by presenting live musicians from Cairo and Scheherazade, um, like you have the opportunity to take classes from people from the culture and to support and listen to and learn about the music from the cultures. And I think this is great This is something I never had. I didn't Mm -hmm. have that growing up. So (laughs) growing up in the dance. So I'm hoping people will take advantage of that.
0: Are you ready for the non lightning round set of questions? Okay. 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 (laughs) So you just fill in the blank or finish the sentence. So this is kind of a two-parter in one. So the biggest struggle I face in belly dance is, and the best way I'm overcoming that is. So the biggest struggle and how you're overcoming it. Okay. Um, the biggest struggle I have in belly dance
1: is actually, this isn't easy.
0: (laughs) The first thing that pops in your head.
1: Well, it's, you know, it's self-sabotage and self-doubt and, you know, imposter syndrome and um, questioning what am I doing and, and what do I, do I really have something to offer? But how I get over that is I have, oh, I have it close? I have conversations with myself. I sit down with a journal. I turn the music on and dance. I like take a really, I I really take a look at what I have and what I've achieved and how grateful I am to have been able to travel and that I'm still asked to come back. And um, I just have conversations with myself. You know what I do? I talk to myself the way that I would speak to a student. And encourage and support and lift up anybody that I'm working with. I talk to myself that way That's when I advice. write in my journal.
0: Yeah, yeah, because oftentimes we're very hard on ourselves, but we would never say that to a student or someone mm-hmm. that we care. Exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. Next question. Yes. Or next sentence. Lightning. <laughs> yes. My favorite belly dance memory is. <gasps> oh my God, I, I know, have
1: so been- many. Okay. Is it a two-part question? Is there more?
0: Uh, there's one more after this, but uh, if you can, just pick one. Otherwise, I'm sure people would love to hear all your favorite ballet dance memories.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Okay. There have been so many. I might even get emotional thinking about this. I think my favorite memories are dancing to live music. You know, that you get to a point where you have like that. You have this... Um, your ultimate inner dancer Mm
0: -hmm.
1: that is your ultimate potential that you know is in there Mm -hmm. and you know going back to being really self-critical and stuff there's so many times where i've seen myself um on video and i'm just not happy with it but there are there's an inner dancer that sometimes she's elusive but she comes out and when everything comes together when everything's right you know like um live music and the audience is with you and you feel really good in your costume and there's just something that the music just moves you and you just have everything come all together and a lot of those moments have happened um, at Oregon country fair that I was talking about. Um, that's happened. uh, At dream camp this happens. um, After. We spend a whole week together where we're sweating and laughing and eating together and, you know, going swimming and, you know, going on hikes, playing our finger cymbals and being goofy and having fun and working hard. And and then at the end of that week, like everybody, people who were strangers at the beginning, they know each other. And then we get to see each other all dressed up. And perform in this really small, intimate space that has moved me many times. That that's some of my favorite memories. are dream camps, um, I have so many. Shana, I <laughs> know um, oh, there's a really special one. Um, teaching for over 1,300 people at one time in Buenos Aires, uh, Argentina, um, at the 10th anniversary for Encuentro. Uh, at Amir Taleb's festival in Buenos Aires, that was a magic, magic time. Cause there were um, over 1300 students all in one place Mm. with two jumbotrons on either side. So when I turned around and shimmied and my butt was that big (laughs) on the jumbotrons. And just while I thought at first I was so nervous, um, but when I went out on stage and when I started, I just started moving Um, it was one of those be brave initiative moments where I can do this, I can do this. And when I started moving and all those people were doing exactly the same movement I was, and it felt like my body just kept going. It just like, it was, that was really magic. I started
0: crying. (laughs) I do a lot though. (laughs) And last one, the number one thing I'd love to offer the belly dance community is, Oh,
1: see, you're gonna have me crying through this whole thing.
0: No, hopefully happy tears from sharing your vulnerability, not because they're sad. (laughs) That's a good way.
1: (laughs) The number one thing that I want to, okay, this is something that I have really thought about a lot since the slowdown, actually, since stopping. Um, what is it that is important to me and what do I bring to the dance that is different? because you know I, I have been doing this a long time and there are a lot of you know dancers coming up that are fantastic and a lot of other dancers that have things to offer and what is it that I can bring? And I ha- I what's really important to me and what is important to me in this dance is that um, everybody understanding that everyone is, That it's inclusive. That everybody matters. That your dance matters, and I know that, um, especially for a lot of young women that are Mm -hmm. coming up, they always compare themselves to something, and they they think that in order to be um, to be successful means that I have to be up here and I have to be, and I just want everyone to know that this dance is for everyone, for everybody. And your dance matters, no matter. um, Even if you're coming into this later in life, even, you know, I I want people to feel included and I want people to know that you becoming the best dancer that you can be is important, no matter who you are. Mm -hmm. That's important to me. And I feel like I can bring that. I feel like I uh, can see every dancer that's in front of me. And I really, truly, honestly care.
0: (laughs) Yeah, definitely shows. And as someone that's taking your workshops and your intensive, it definitely shows. And we all (laughs) appreciate you as a teacher that actually cares. uh, Some teachers don't and you can tell which ones don't um so we definitely appreciate you Aziza for caring that much yeah Uh thank you so much this was so lovely and so lovely to talk to you and so lovely to reconnect um especially not after not having seen you in a long time I know Um, I think the last time we Uh, saw each other might have been in London I can't, it's all blurring together. I've, I've COVID brain, just like you do. Quarantine brain. Yes. Hustle, quarantine. Yes. Yes. COVID brain. It's all blurring together, but thank you so much. Where can people find you in your classes? Okay.
1: Yes. So I have actually a new project that I worked on during lockdown. I have a brand new website. Um, It's actually, we're just, it's online now. I haven't like, blasted it out and started telling everybody about it because we're still tinkering on the little last things. Um, But it is Aziza.tv. That is the new website. Um, And I'm also on Instagram at Aziza Shimi. I have uh, a Facebook page that um, I want to mention because my Facebook page for my online classes uh, Mm -hmm. was hacked uh, in November. And Thank you. Facebook will not give me back um, administration. So it has been, I had to start anyone over again. So if you search on Facebook, it is actually Aziza online belly dance class. I'm starting over again. So if you go to one that says Aziza online class and they're selling watches, it's not me.
0: (laughs) Really, it's not a side gig.
1: (laughs) No, I'm like, I would not choose that for merch. at all. Yeah. So I have that going on. And I also have, I really, you know, going back to this whole thing about um, small groups and connection and dream camp, I'm also running um, a mentorship, a group mentorship program, which is a really small group. And I'm going to do this online um, for next year. And it's starting up next month. So go, it's called the year of you.
0: Great. Now I'm going to put that in the episode notes. So those of you listening can just scroll up and clicks. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for sharing everything and sharing your experience. And uh, yeah, I'm sure a lot of people are going to appreciate hearing from you and sharing your wisdom. This was lovely. Thank you. Shanna. Thank you so much. Thanks for you that are listening and until next week.